This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat now. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Happy Friday, Smitty. Happy Friday to you. Let's start with the museum controversy. We started the show talking about that today. The Liberals on the attack all week in the B.C. legislature on this one. And the latest line of attack from the Liberals, I think, is an effective argument. Before you even think of spending a billion bucks on a new museum to make it earthquake-proof. You better earthquake-proof all the public schools in B.C. first. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, and that's, what, that's a big reason why the legislature itself, which is argue, arguably the most important building in B.C., the most iconic, is also not having a lot of money spent on earthquake-proofing it because schools and, and health facilities obviously rank higher uh, than public buildings in terms of um, the urgency uh, required for earthquake proofing. So it's, a, it's an effective argument from the BC Liberals to attack this project, which already, uh, even Premier John Horgan yesterday, acknowledging that, in his words, this landed with a thud with the public, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which I think is an apt description. There was no prep work done here. There was no... Now, the, the foundation for replacing this was not made. The sales pitch wasn't made with the public... Uh, and as a result, the NDP is scrambling to try yeah. to uh, sort of play catch up here. Let's listen to Liberal MLA Todd Stone in the legislature yesterday on this. Have a listen. Parents of children that are in uh, uh, elementary and secondary schools across this, uh, this province that are in need of seismic upgrades are begging for this government to provide them with a rational explanation for why this government would prioritize $1 billion for a vanity museum project in, in the Premier's backyard over seismic upgrading half of the remaining schools that need those upgrades. Okay, so he's saying they're looking for a rationalization for the project. Now, remember, they did indicate that maybe a business plan would be out today, but it looks like that's delayed. Yeah, it looks like it's, it's coming out uh, next Wednesday. Um, yeah. Again, there's a lot of details lacking here. I see Von, our colleague Von Palmer just tweeted that the construction won't even begin for four years, uh, which begs the question, why is this museum closing in September? Uh, and why is it going to take eight years to be, to replace this thing? It's it's an extraordinary situation. I can't recall any other construction scheduled that last eight years for completion other than the Site C Dam. And we're not talking about a Site C Dam in downtown Victoria. Yeah, Vaughn Palmer tweeting that consultations and design of the project would begin in two years, and then construction would start in four years. So why would they shut the museum down yeah. in September, if that's the case? I don't get that. I don't get that unless they're arguing the building as it exists right now is some sort of uh, a hazardous situation, which I don't think it is, unless... Unless what they did in tearing down, starting to replace the old town, uh, if you recall, asbestos is not dangerous unless it starts being moved. And I just wonder if suddenly that's what's been created in the, in the museum. I have no idea. I mean, really, yeah. it, it, it's, it's a puzzling situation. To 
to close the museum for so long, have a basically, in the liberals' words, a chain link fence around a big, oh. you know, acres of land in downtown Victoria, where there once stood the number one tourist attraction. What is what years. was your what was your read of Horgan on this yesterday? Like you mentioned that he said that this thing landed with a, a thud, which I think is somewhat accurate assessment of the public reaction to it. But did you get the impression that he was willing to back off on it? Well. I, yeah, that's a good question. He certainly wasn't backing up, but he wasn't anywhere near as supportive of the idea as he was last Friday when this thing was first announced. Yeah, I don't think he's impressed with uh, with the, the rollout of this. Obviously, I don't think they anticipated where the backlash would come. Clearly, the residents of Victoria are upset about this. Uh, you know, museum aficionados uh, may like this, but... Uh, uh, I think the business community's been taken aback, who realize they've lost foot, track, foot traffic associated with the museum, which is extensive for eight years. You know, um, you know, people go on tour ships, on cruise ships, land, and many of them go to the museum. That's not going to happen for eight years. Uh, and, they, and they travel to shops between the cruise ship and the museum and spend money. That's not going to happen. So uh, this is an economic blow to the capital, which ironically is yeah. the, the heart of the NDP fiefdom in B.C., Okay, a lot of people saying there are better uses for a billion dollars right now. Many people pointing at the shortage of family doctors, for example, and there were hundreds of people on the front lawn of the B.C. legislature yesterday, which was Family Doctor Day, calling on government to do something about this shortage of doctors. Let's listen to a little bit of the sound from that demonstration yesterday, and I'll get your thoughts. What do you deserve? Their physicians, patients, and advocates all here with just one message. Now is the time. We have health care for a reason. It's a primary need. As uh, global reporter Kylie Stanton there, is it your thoughts on the doctor shortage? It's not going to be fixed anytime soon. I mean, you, you can't snap your fingers and produce a thousand family doctors just like that. Uh, they need to be trained. It has to be people who willingly go into that specialty uh, out of, in medical school or out of medical school. You, you can't force a medical student to become a family doctor. Family doctors face unusual challenges that other specialties don't, notably the need to run a private business. And maybe that's where the short-term solution is. is for, and this is being worked on, providing more help to family physicians uh, on the overhead costs and on the, the, the infrastructure that goes along with a family a family practice. Specialists operate and, you know, do their duties in hospitals and, and operating rooms in hospitals. They don't have to worry about overhead. Family doctors basically get together with other family doctors in many cases, set up an office space and incur overhead. They have to pay, pay staff. They have to work on payroll. They have to worry about tax implications. And then they also have to uh, bill for service, which is a time-consuming process. So the fee-for-service model is being changed, but it's not going to happen overnight. And the overhead situation is likely going to be addressed, but that's not going to happen overnight. The BC Liberals promised a, a family doctor for every British Columbian yeah. about eight years ago. Everybody laughed at that because it was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, is ridiculous today, but uh, the government's under a lot of pressure to find more ways to produce more family doctors. You know, 100,000 people arrived in B.C. last year, a net increase in population. Well, it's not like we suddenly found 100,000 family doctors, because we can't. So the doctor well, shortage is going to be significant for some time. Yeah, and it's going to be expensive, too, right? I mean, is that what it comes yeah. down to? Money. Well, it's, it's no coincidence. You're seeing a, a pretty effective campaign right now by doctors and nurses at a time when they're both negotiating new contracts. So there's yeah. a new master agreement being worked on with the doctors of BC. 
uh, and there's a new contract uh, being negotiated with the BC Nurses Union, and it's no better time to put pressure on your employer than when you're fighting for a new contract. Okay, let's talk about the aftermath of the political drama in Alberta now. Jason Kenney resigning as the leader of the United Conservative Party after he just narrowly uh, got that endorsement of the party membership, just 51%, though. He said, I think he wisely realized you can't carry on with a divided party. So he is stepping down. And so now here we go now with the contest to replace him. Let's listen to... Danielle Smith here, the former leader of the Wild Rose Party in Alberta, who she famously crossed the floor and joined the progressive conservatives in Alberta, then went into talk radio. And now she's saying she's back into politics. She's running for the leadership of this job to replace Kenny. Here she is. I think it's very clear that today we're facing a a formidable opposition in uh, in the, the legislature that is unified and we cannot see a fracturing of the conservative movement along the lines of multiple different political parties yeah i think she is uh precise there saying that the the danger here is the conservatives falling apart the right wing falling apart in alberta again your thoughts well it fell apart under jason kenny i mean it's fascinating yeah. to see that a whole chunk of that party were upset with him because he was not right wing enough but yeah. another chunk of the party was upset with him because uh he was, um, you know, not more centrist. So that party is very much divided. But with Kenny out of the picture, I mean, it does change the d- dynamics of that situation. He's the most unpopular person within the conservative uh, sort of ballpark. But does Danielle Smith or Brian, Brian uh, Jean or others who enter the race here and replace Kenny, uh, does they suddenly be able to heal that party or... Yeah. smooth over the cracks. I'm not sure they can because they've been figures of divisiveness themselves in the past. But like I said yesterday, it's an opportunity for the Conservatives to turn the page here and maybe find someone a little more palatable to more people in the province. But that, you know, as long as that Wild Rose Party sticks out there um, and uh, the Alberta Party and these other parties, uh, that's a drain, a drag on Conservative fortunes. The NDP is nowhere ever going to have more than 50% of the vote in Alberta, but they can get 40% of the vote, and right now that's enough to win. I still think, though, that Alberta NDP leader Rachel Notley would rather run against Jason Kenney than someone like Daniel Smith or, or probably anyone else in Alberta. Maybe they're secretly yeah. unhappy that he's he's packed it in. Well, yeah, I think I think you may well be right. Why not uh, be the, the devil you know is better than the one you don't. And yeah. Kenny had already been defined along fairly negative lines, and his approval rating has been tanking and hasn't been going up no matter what he's been trying. So no reason to think it wouldn't have, would have improved as we got closer to the next election. But with him out of the room now, uh, it allows the conservatives to start again. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 
Ares Baldry's beat. Keith Baldry is my guest. Phone lines are open. I have open lines right now. If you call right now, you're going to get through. 604-280-9898. Star 9898. Toll free on your cell. It was the first week in the legislature for the new liberal leader, Kevin Falcon, Keith, and I think the NDP with this museum announcement just handed him a a gift-wrapped item to run on all week, and the liberals just dined out on it, including this attack yesterday on before you seismically upgrade a museum, you better seismically upgrade all the BC public schools instead first. Here's a listen to liberal MLA Karen Kirkpatrick on this in the House yesterday. I'll get your thoughts. This NDP government's priority is a billion-dollar vanity museum project instead of student safety. One billion dollars would upgrade half the remaining schools that need seismic upgrading. Even Hume Park Elementary, in the Minister of Education's own writing, is unsafe and in need of seismic upgrades. Okay, and then Education Minister Jennifer Whiteside threw it right back at the Liberals and said, well, you guys were in power for 16 years and you didn't, up, you didn't uh, seismically upgrade all the schools either. So, well, your thoughts? Yeah, it's good to come back with Jennifer Whiteside. The problem the NDP has, the longer they're in power the less relevant the, the liberal record becomes because yeah. you know, they're, they're approaching their fifth year anniversary. And, you know, this starting to ring hollow, just like the uh, the um, liberals when they were in power used to refer to the dismal dark decade of the 90s. Well, you know, as we got away from the 90s, that be, that, that argument had less, less yeah. resonance. Let's go to James in White Rock on the open line. Hi, James, go ahead. Right, thanks for taking my call. Keith, did I hear you right when you just said that they're not even going to start construction on that museum for four years? Is that correct? Yeah, our call, Mike and I, our colleague Von Palmer has tweeted that, uh, that apparently the scheduled is out of, of uh, consultation begins for two years uh, and construction after that. So based on that tweet is what we're, uh, we're talking about. We're going to put the entire, <laughs> the entire staff of the museum out of work for four years while they talk about what to do and how to do it. And in that time frame, we're not going to have a museum for eight years. And in that four years, the costs are going to go up by probably 20%. This is the dumbest thing that I have heard in a long time. Uh, well, uh, you know, if the NDP loses the 2024 election, they might want to look back to uh, circle last Friday on the calendar as the day <laughs> when everything started to go wrong. Because yeah. uh, I'm not sure they can get out from under this huge rock. I'm just not sure if they're going to stick to it, if, there are, if they might... Uh start backpedaling here on it at some point let's go to ross go ahead keith yeah no i agree i think i think it would be make political sense to backpedal furiously yeah, yeah <laughs> i not, think so uh, not go forward i mean they're not indicating that yet so far they're sort of saying they're going forward with it ross and well, i don't want take a page out of ralph klein's book in alberta the famous uh, alberta premier always took the proverbial second look you know second he would, look, he would yeah. apologize take a second look Oh, we got it wrong. We're going to do it again. I think uh, Horgan might be wise to do that. Yeah. Ross and Maple Ridge. Hi, Ross. Go ahead. Yes. uh, Back to the school policing thing. A retired teacher, and back in the day, they used to have a program called Impact. It was was given to all the teachers, so the teachers were trained in how to recognize bullying, drugs, all kinds of different uh, situations, and it actually had the police doing the actual classroom work with the kids, with the teachers. Um, Yes, it was a few years ago, and things are different now, but it was such a simple process, and it was so effective that uh, 
it just it just worked. Right, and th- thank yeah. you for that call, Ross. And that is going back to our earlier discussion on the show today about the decision by some school boards to remove uh, police liaison officers from schools, and now we're seeing a surge in youth violence. I think this could become a, a municipal election issue in Vancouver later this year. Oh, I, I think you put your finger on it. I think this is, uh, you know, street violence is emerging as a as a hot-button political issue. It's been raised in the legislature, and now you see this extraordinary situation of youth whether it's a swarming incident in Cloverdale or this uh, 100 kids going into downtown Victoria at night and, yeah. and uh, you know throwing rocks at each other and at cars. It's a, it's a new phenomenon. I think it's yeah. going to be a hot-button municipal auction issue at the school board level. John on the North Shore. John, you got 30 seconds here. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, two quick comments. I wish there was a way that governments could be held to uh, uphold prior government um, projects like the bridge instead of the tunnel. And then we would have a bridge, not a tunnel. Whether we agree or not, that was our party elected at the time, and we should have that bridge now instead of the okay. next guy coming in and kiboshing Okay, uh, Keith, Keith you're th- I don't have time for your second one. Keith, you got 20 seconds. Well, yeah, that's why governments try to push things past the point of no return, which is what the yeah. Liberals did with Site C and what the NDP is hoping to do with the museum. I think uh, the Site C dam has a better chance of being finished earlier than any replacement for the museum.